You're listening to the See the Upside podcast, where we talk about overcoming obstacles, choosing positivity, and doing life a little better every day. I'm your podcast host, Nina Bleicher. On the show, we share real stories and speak with industry experts about how to expand and grow through difficult change. We don't always get to choose the challenges that show up in our life, but we do get to decide how we view them. In those hard moments, there are always beautiful invitations. That's what See the Upside podcast is all about. Navigating the hard moments, but then finding the opportunity to heal, grow, and connect. I'm so grateful you're here and can't wait to share these conversations with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Today on the show, we have Jane Sabrinsky, sports life coach, as well as one of my very favorite yoga instructors at The Village, which is a health club here in Phoenix, Arizona. Jane's passion for coaching goes back to her career as a sales manager and consultant, where she was training and coaching sales professionals and management teams within the radio industry. That experience, combined with challenges she faced in her own life, gave Jane a twofold mission to coach professionals and individuals going through transition and to specialize in working with organizations for the development of healthy employees in all dimensions of their lives. Jane is a mother of three young men, a yoga instructor, a very good one, I must add, (laughs) a licensed real estate agent, and a volunteer. While Jane has diverse professional experiences, the consistent thread is her passion for helping others. Jane helps others become their very best professionally, personally, and philanthropically. And I can vouch for that on the yoga site. (laughs) Today on the show, we're going to get a little personal. We're going to talk about honoring our stories, meaning the hard experiences we've been through and how to heal, process, view, and accept these stories and even how to share them if we choose to. Welcome to the show, Jane. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you, Nina. I'm so glad you're here. I'm here. And I really love that you're doing this. And you've got this podcast and you're just focusing on the positive side of life. Well, we are so on the same wavelength in that way. I've taken your yoga class. Typically go, I go on Sundays at, I think it's 10 you teach. Mm -hmm. And then also Wednesday evenings at five 30. Sometimes I love to do that as a second yoga class. Cause I usually do one in the morning or play tennis. You just always put me in this really beautiful, positive place. I love your Mm -hmm. yoga classes and the music is good. And of course, all the heat and the sweating is always cathartic too. <laughs> I know, right? I love that. So thank you for that. I appreciate the feedback. Yes. So you're a yoga instructor, but you also are this sports life coach. Let's talk about that. Can you explain that and tell us what that's all about? Yes. Cause usually people are like, what the heck is a sports life coach? And so I coach in the context and language and methodology of sports. So the company that I represent is Inside of Sports, was started 20 years ago with the idea that athletes have coaches for everything in their life except for their life. 
And so as a result, the company was formed and has done a ton of coaching inside of sport. And then I came along and I'm like, okay, what about the life athletes out there? What about those of us who love the idea of coaching like we're athletes, right? Training and living a life like we're an athlete without actually being one. So having raised boys, having been athletic growing up, the idea of training for my life in that way really was transformational for me. I mean, I would have never thought about training for my life in in that way. And so I really connected with it. And now I want to offer that out there in the world. Love that. There really is crossover going both directions where athletes really need those life, mental wellness, emotional wellness skills because their lives are so high pressure. There's not a lot of balance. You know, how do they manage all those other things? But then I also love the idea of the rest of us who are out in the world living, growing, and doing personal growth and trying to be better, taking on the principles from the athletic world. Why wouldn't we do that? I mean, it clearly works, right? There's evidence that by the success of athletes that, that you can really drive yourself to achieve success and balance and, and wellness through that channel too. Well, it's really about, you know, if you've got the heart of a champion and you want to go for being a champion in your life. And so that's what really resonates with me. And that's really how I've been transformed. And I'm fortunate enough that I actually get to be inside of sport because we do coach so many athletes and collegiate teams and professionals. So I'm not just using the language for the sake of using the language. Everybody can do that. But I actually get to be inside of sport and get firsthand experiences as to what athletes are struggling with what they do really well, you know, what they're challenged with. And especially during COVID, that was such a powerful time Mm. to see, you know, how athletes really struggled because they lost rituals and routines. And so did the rest of the world. You know, kids were coming home and no longer in the routine of school and parents were now being teachers and, you know, weren't in the routine of maybe going into an office and going to work. And so there's so many things that we can learn from one another. And that's what I really value. Yeah. Two things kind of come to the top of my mind when I think of living our lives as athletes is what one first would be really believing that something is possible. Like the best, best athletes know they can win something, even if they're not ranked the highest, even if they haven't done it before, even if a record hasn't been met before, or it's shown as being impossible, they, they, tell themselves, they teach themselves to believe it's possible. And actually today, literally just like an hour ago, my son as a senior at Brophy High School just made the golf team, never made it before. There were three spots available for 26 kids, three spots. And he's a senior and never been on a golf team. He just started playing golf two and a half years ago. I mean, it's crazy. So I think that was an integral part of him making the team is him believing he could, the possibility that it can happen. And then I think the other really life transfer thing that comes right to mind immediately to me is who are you and what do you do when things go wrong, when there's a problem, when you're losing, when 
you're hurt or, you know, when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go, it's easy to be, to ride the wave when you're winning and you're doing well and you're in the flow. But what really matters is what do you do when there's a big problem? And that can apply to work. That can apply to life. That can apply to golf. That can apply to a yoga, you know, position or whatever it is. Like, who are you, and what do you do to turn things around when they get tough? Well, I think one of the things that I love about sports, and I know our conversation is going to go beyond this, but what what athletes have really taught us a about winning and losing. You know, if you talk to an athlete, yes, they're going to be really mad at the loss. They're going to be frustrated. But because there's a game just around the corner, especially like in basketball and baseball, where they're playing games night after night after night, they don't have time to dwell on the loss. It's like, okay, what did I learn? How do I move forward? So they're constantly in forward motion. And that's one thing that I think is super powerful that we can gain from them, especially as you and I get into a conversation regarding stories and how they can really keep us stuck and hold us back. The other thing, too, is that with wins and losses, you know, we're playing a much bigger game. I mean, we're playing in the game of life where athletes, you know, play a game inside of a season and they play a game after, you know, a week of practice. I mean, we are engaged in the game of life every single day. And so, you know, how are we performing every single day rather than it being about like, okay, I'm practicing for a few days and then it's game time. No, for us, it's like game time every day. So how do we take that feeling? How do we take that desire, that competitive greatness into life every single day? Yeah. I love what you said about wins and losses and being able to move on. I think with and that will kind of bring us to our topic at hand too. It's not getting stuck and bogged down in the mistakes and in the, the losing of it, but allowing yourself to see the lesson and find the growth and then let go and freaking move on. Like don't stay there. But when we're talking about life and the hard things that happened and you know, it's no secret on this podcast. My divorce is probably one of my (laughs) biggest challenges. It's like, you know, how do, how do we, as, as people get through those hard moments, whether it's divorce or anything else difficult in life that you're dealing with and reframe that story and allow it to be a lesson, but also don't dwell in it and stay stuck and identify it. And I really struggled with that because for a long time I I did get a little stuck, you know, and I got a little, you kind of let it take over your life sometimes, but what's your take on that? What do you think about that? Well, that's exactly how I came to be doing the work that I'm doing today. And why I'm so passionate is because I, Two, I was going through a divorce. I'd been married for 30 years. And so here I was, I had never been alone before. You know, I went straight from my parents' home to being married. And then now I'm, at the time I was 51 and 50, 51 and going through a divorce. I was also transitioning out of a a job that was super unhealthy for me. Mm -hmm. So I really was in that space of like, okay, what next? You know, I was like that athlete who gets injured 
and is stuck on the sidelines. And it's like, okay, how do I re-engage? And having been a high achiever, I thought I could just re-engage immediately. And one of the first things that my coach taught me and how I came to be with Patterson Sports Ventures is like, listen, you are injured and you need to heal the injury before you can go out and start playing again. Because if you start playing too early, you know, you increase the odds of injuring yourself. And that metaphor stayed with me because, yeah, I was like, why am I not out there great again? You know, why is everything feel like it's falling apart? And it just it was a matter of identifying it as an injury which was really helpful. And I was injured in a lot of different spaces. And when we talk about emotional injuries, which are a big part of our truths, our stories, you know, people don't see those. So you have a cast on, everyone's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? How's everything? You know, then the cast's off, they know it's healed. Whereas emotional injuries are internal, people don't really see them as much. And so they don't maybe know that you're injured. And so really giving yourself permission to heal and, and it's what I didn't know at the time. And one of the things that I coach in and I'm very passionate about, and one of the things that I do working with organizations as a contract chief well-being officer and a performance coach is we're all going to be injured. So how do we work on healing the injuries inside of the performance? There are certain injuries that are going to put us on the sidelines, but then there's other injuries where we have to stay in the game. You know, going through a divorce, you might need your job more than ever. And yet divorce is one of the most traumatic, second most traumatic events we can experience, according to psychologists. So it's like, okay, this is a pretty big injury. What are my tools, my skills for helping me to continue to do my best work on behalf of my company and yet deal with what I'm going through? And so that's what I'm really passionate about coaching in. Well, and I think it it go, it can extend beyond just the workplace where it's how do you heal an injury, let's call it an emotional injury. Let's mm-hmm. just use the example of divorce to have a tangible, you know, example here. How do you process and heal from a divorce and still continue to show up for your job and perform? Yes but also show up for your kids, show up for your friends. Like you, we don't have the luxury in life to go retreat into, you know, a cave and just (laughs) nurse and heal ourselves in a way that maybe we kind of actually need to be honest, but it's, I think it's having a lot of self-compassion, being able to ask for the resources, having self-awareness And the people around you having patience and compassion and standing by your side and not expecting, you know, you to be at optimum performance level in all elements of your life, you know? Well, so some of the things that you just talked about are actually skills to be developed, right? Compassion, self-compassion is one of the hardest kinds of compassion to to show. So Mm. that's actually a skill to be developed. And, you know, I invested in getting coached and whether it's therapy or coaching, you know, investing in you in that time to get some help to say, okay, I don't want to go through this alone. I do need the support of people. I might need the support of a professional to help me move through it so that I can get the tools and the skills. And these are life skills. And we, I think we take for granted sometimes that 
you're just supposed to have them. You know, well, and let's a lot of high achievers, that. yeah, a lot of high achievers are not skilled in being self-compassionate. Most humans aren't. So yeah. it takes work. It really takes work and a desire to heal. It well, takes a desire. To heal. And I don't. I think there's a misconception that asking for help is a sign of weakness or inability to yeah. heal yourself, but it's not. I think. Often working with a coach or therapist or energetic healer can give you perspective that is more diplomatic or more neutral or a new perspective that you can't get by yourself. So I think a lot of us high achievers feel like I've got this. I don't need that. I can work through this. And I was that person too, where I felt like, I don't, I don't need that kind of stuff. I'm strong. I'm emotionally strong. I know myself, but it's really not about that. It's getting new perspective, getting new ways of looking at things, understanding things from a different angle. And it really helps you get unstuck in certain places. And also as we are going to get into kind of can help you shift that lens where, you know, you might come out of a divorce feeling guilty or shame or humiliation or resentment or, you know, any a number of negative low vibe feelings. There are right. an indefinite number that we can come out of divorce with, right? Well, you but, might come out feeling free. <laughs> yes. You might come out Depends feeling free or on. like the good one, you know, often <laughs> we're the good angel and there's the bad angel on the other right. side. A lot of us feel like we're the good one. There are a lot of good angels out there. I think everybody is. All good. Yes. Um, but I think it can really just help fast track the healing and really help just when you shift a viewpoint and I've had these kind of aha awakening moments from my energy healer, from listening to a podcast, from listening to an audiobook, just from walking out in nature where you just get this new view of something. And it can be just a teeny tiny little element of my divorce or a tiny element of how I interact with my kids or something where this shift can be like a breaking open and all of a sudden you've, you've released something and everything's changed and you can yeah. really kind of up level that part of you that is growth. Right. Yeah. Well, so again, if we look at the most elite athletes, the highest performers, let's just take somebody like Tom Brady. Cause that's usually a name most people know. Yes. Right. Like, he still uses a coach. He still gets a coach to go, okay, what could I do? Even if it's just a little bit better, it's the same thing in life. It doesn't necessarily have to be, there's a whomping problem in my world. It's about, okay, how can I improve my performance as a mom? How can I improve my performance as an employee or as an employer? How can I improve as an ex spouse? You know, what can I do differently? What are the little tiny changes that I can make to improve the joy in my life? I mean, so it doesn't have to necessarily be a big problem. It just has to, it just, and it could be, but it's about, you know, again, athletes are great examples because 
they are constantly trying to tweak their game. They're constantly looking for a competitive advantage. They're constantly, constantly looking for ways to improve. And it's no different in life. Right. It never ends the evolution of no. growth and expansion and, and personal development, all of that. It's it's a journey that just keeps going and it gets better and yeah. better. I mean, I love it. I think it's so fulfilling and such a huge part of how I like to engage with the people I have in my life too. I mean, gosh, the rich relationships like with you or Penny, I mean, just if I wasn't thinking in that way, those relationships would be nice friendships, but there's so much more because we're, we're all on this high vibe track to just do better, be better, share better, you know, all of that. It's so fun. I love it. It just makes you feel so good. I love that you said it's fun too, because sometimes there can be a lot of angst or anxiety behind that, you know, that drive to be better Then that's kind of an element of saying, I'm not good enough instead of like, let's just have some fun, you know, let's have fun growing. Let's have fun trying something new. Let's have fun discovering. And I think sometimes, you know, the weight of our stories, the stories that we tell ourselves or the the truth behind our stories that, as you said earlier, that maybe we're ashamed of, those can be the things that really hold us back from going for more and for wanting more and feeling okay, deserving of more. Well, and I think this brings an interesting topic up, which is surrounding ourselves with a community and with people who lift you up, who support you, who want good things for you. And that was a big thing coming out of my divorce. That was a, gosh, it was so hard, Jane. It was a massive kind of like a natural shedding and distancing, not like in a breakup kind of way, but like your relationships really do change when you Mm -hmm. come out of divorce. And some of them were really heartbreaking. And it was a little bit like hanging on to my life and story that I had when I was married, where, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we have to grieve those and allow ourselves to let go. But there are certain friendships, relationships, connections, experiences in our lives that have seasons and that are designed to end. And even if we are sad that they're over like a marriage Mm -hmm. or a friendship or a time Mm -hmm. in our life, it's okay to be sad. But I think what does happen is as you continue to grow and move forward, you realize that the, the new things that are coming in are even better and more designed for you for in that stage. And when you're on that personal growth path, you do start up-leveling that attraction. You know, you really start energetically connecting with people that are more aligned with who you are at that stage. And I think that's really important in regards to reframing our story is when we're struggling. And I struggled in a huge way with shame, humiliation, just a lot of really negative feelings coming out of this divorce that I kind of just owned and took on and like put in a backpack and carried around with me for years and just like clung on to them. I don't know why, 
but I just did it. I think I just felt this obligation to own it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, you know, once you have surrounded yourself with people who love you and lift you up and are kind of on that, that same positive track that you feel safe kind mm-hmm. of releasing that negativity. And you can either talk about it and share some of it, parts of it, whatever, or just allow yourself to put it down and let it go. You realize that stuff really isn't me and I don't need it. I don't need to carry this anymore. And it it's really life-changing. And I just kind of got to that turning point. I'm still kind of in the process of it, but it's pretty incredible, you know, how you can work through your story and shift that. Oh my gosh. You know, because first of all, we're, we're, our brain is designed for narrative, right? I mean, we're, we're storytellers, you know, and we make meaning of everything. And that starts to create a story. And what I love about coaching and how it served me and the way I hope I serve others is a giving people a very safe place to process. And you said it, you know, being around people that support you, that are for you, that you do feel safe with and managing that, right? Like you can only tell people your story maybe so many times before they're like starting to get dragged down. And so I think being inside of a safe, confidential environment, like coaching provides or therapy provides, you can get really messy and you can go through the healing and you don't necessarily have to, you know, tell all your friends or retell the story over and over again. But you said some really powerful things that I think is true for all of us, no matter what what side of divorce you're on is, you know, shame, judgment, obligation. I mean, all of those are about the story you put around it, you know, and what that shame means for you, how it defines you, you know, what it represents. And again, that goes back to the stories. And sometimes that can really hurt us in the long run. And sometimes it can help us. And so I think it's just a matter of, you know, how do we heal our hearts? How do we heal through the process? And I think I, as I began to do the work, I began, and as I began to heal, you, you start letting go of all of that stuff. As you said, it's like pretty soon you start to put down the backpack or you start to release the rocks one Mm -hmm. at a time out of it until it's not there anymore. And, you know, listen, we're going to face injuries every single day to some degree, because if you're playing hard in the game of life, you're going to get injured. You know, it just is going to happen. And so we don't like it. We don't like the way it feels, but it's happening to everybody. (laughs) So having the tools and the skills to help you go through it I think that's what it's about. It's not about denying it or ignoring it because then it still stays with you. But it's like, okay, how do I heal and move through it? Well, and who says we're supposed to feel good all the time? We're not. I mean, if you're not getting out, going out there and getting injured emotionally or physically, you're not playing hard enough. You know, then you're playing really safe. And you're, and honestly, I would say, you know, a lot of my life, I did play it safe. I was a 50% depth person. 
and didn't share a lot of my emotions, didn't allow myself to feel a lot of emotions. It was, you know, it was a half-life in a lot of ways. And that's what a huge part of my divorce was, was a big awakening into, you know, this deep hole of, of really hard feelings. But by going there and allowing myself to feel those feelings and process them really allows you to open up to all of the feelings and really understanding why you're having those feelings. Where's the shame coming from? Where do you feel it in your body? What is the shame about? Is it, how can you have compassion for yourself? How can you really understand the feelings so you cannot run from it? So it just sits there and festers. Cause if you try to bury it, or you don't deal with it, it stays. But if you kind of sit with it and you welcome it and go, okay, I'm feeling a lot of shame around this. What is that story? Let's, let's think about that for a minute. And you think about it and it's, and then you peel back another layer and it's like, well, that's really not about that. It's really more, you know, goes back even further. And often it does kind of lead this deep trail into very, very old stories, which can be really gratifying to release because you realize, oh, I've told myself for a long time, you know, whatever it is, I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm not good enough. I'm not allowed to speak my voice or whatever it is. And you understand, okay, maybe when I was four, that helped me, but now it's not, it's, it's, making my life hard. And that story doesn't even apply anymore. So you can develop this deep consciousness into these, these stories. And as you're saying, our brains want to make up stories about everything. Um, Another thing I wanted to comment on too, is I think we love to make stories about what other people are assuming and thinking. And that's really toxic too, where we don't know what other people are thinking. You know, and that's where a lot of shame comes from is we think people are judging us, but we really don't know, you know? Well, one of the tools I coach in is super simple. I don't know their story. Yeah. And it's, it speaks, it's an emotional management tool designed, whether you're getting ghosted on, you know, Bumble or something to, um, you know, an email that isn't responding and you're starting to feel anxious around it. It's like, I don't know their story. And that is the truth. We, even the people we are closest to, who we know a lot of their story, we aren't living inside of their story. We're not looking at life through the lens of their experiences. And so we really don't know people's story. Now we can start to have conversations and be curious to get to know people. But if we also recognize that we're still not going to know everything about them, we're still not going to be inside of, you know, their shoes. We don't know their story. It gives a us a tool for managing our emotions so we can be like, I'm going to let it go. And it also gives us permission to say, okay, I can be curious and I can get to know their story. So it works in a couple of ways. So in that kind of conversation, how do we handle sharing our story? I know when we were talking about doing this podcast, one of the topics we wanted to discuss is do you have an obligation to share your story and when should you do that? And do you have to, what's your, take well, on that? 
Yeah, my answer is you have zero obligation to share your story. Why? You know, that's society. That's again, like, what, what's my, why do I need to tell my story? It's my story. Now, if I want to share my story, the opportunity again is to ask myself, why? What value? Sometimes we want to share our story because we need to get it out. You know, like that helps me process, right? So again, I have no opinion one way or the other. The only question is how does it make you feel? How does it impact you? So is sharing your story designed to slander, berate, criticize, judge another person? Is sharing your story designed to help you heal? Is sharing your story designed to help other people heal? You know, what purpose does sharing it serve? And I think, and I know I experienced this too, feeling a sense of obligation to share and then giving myself permission to be like, I'm exhausted by my story. I I don't want to tell my story. I don't want to talk about my story. I'm, I'm working on my healing. I don't need to talk about my story yet. People wanted to know my story. Yeah. And it's interesting. Why do you want to know? Like, are you just being nosy? Do you feel you are entitled? You know, again, that just goes back to a lot of society dictating for some beautiful, amazing, crazy reason, you know, dictating who we're supposed to be in this world. And well, and I think it's important, you know, one of the things I've learned is for me to share my story, I need to feel huge trust and safety with the person that I'm sharing it with. And that usually takes time. That's not going to happen really quickly. And secondly, I love what you said. What is your reason for sharing your story? Because I know for a long time, I identified in it with my story in like, not the healthiest way, you know, where I felt like, you know, I was the good one, I guess, you know, and I think I would, I would share parts of my story and I would feel kind of like gross afterwards, like dirty. And I knew when I felt that way, when I shared elements of my story and I felt that way afterwards, that I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And I kind of paid attention to that. And I became a lot more intentional about where, when, and why I was sharing elements of my story and that I didn't feel an obligation to share my story anymore. And I think there's, there's an element of self-compassion you need to have for your story and your experience. And, you know, how I like to view things is in this life, we're doing the best that we can with what we've got Mm -hmm. in that moment. Even when people do wrong things or bad things, typically, they're not, I mean, very, very, very few situations are they actually, you know, motivated by, you know, really bad intentions, even when, right. Yeah. And I want to, I want to clarify because I was very quick to say, you're not obligated. (laughs) And what I want your audience to understand is I'm not suggesting that you not share your story out of deception 
or with the intent to deceive somebody, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to yeah. ever tell anybody I was, you know, arrested. It's I, I'm talking about in the masses. Like, are you? Do you need to go tell everybody every single detail about it? Of course, people that you're trying to build relationship with and that you want to be in relationship with, you want to be able to share your story. And what I'm talking about is being able to share your story openly honestly, authentically, but also in a healthy way. So I'm not suggesting that we, you know, keep, because we're human, we all have stories. And yes, we want to be able to share with people, but are we doing, you know, thinking about what you just said, like, who are you sharing with and what's your intention? If I'm sharing with a perspective, you know, new mate, yes, I want to be open. I want to be honest. I want us to be able to talk about that you know, how are we sharing? That's one thing, but it's like, do I need to, you know, necessarily go put it out there to, you know, the PTO or something that's kind of what I'm talking about. And yet it's in those environments that people are the most curious. So I was really speaking about it from that perspective. Well, and I think another element is, you know, considering other people who are involved in the story who could be affected by it. If you're, we're talking about divorce again, your kids could be affected, your ex-spouse could be affected. You know, that is something that I've always wanted to honor and be very cautious about in sharing Mm -hmm. any information is, you know, being respectful to all the parties that are involved. Because I think, you know, one thing about talking and sharing, you can't unsay something that's been said. So you just want to make sure that you really want to say it when you say it. Yeah. And I think everything is about your intention. You know, are you coming from a place of love or are you coming from a place of hurt? And that's, that will definitely dictate the way you share and how you share. And so again, it's when we, when we, begin to heal those hurts, we are able to share Mm. in a more loving, healthy way and being very mindful of the people who are impacted. And when you share, you know, in a really clear word and with a loving heart, if somebody receives that in a negative way, that's really on them. Yeah. Because if you really are coming from a place of good intention and you're speaking it with love and you're speaking it as a truth, if they want to be angry about it, then that's their injury. Yeah. That isn't necessarily about you. So again, that's what I think is really powerful about doing the work in whatever capacity you do it, but invest in doing the work because you even said, when you've discovered some of your injuries, they've gone way back. Well, you you unconsciously bring that person into all of your relationships, right? You might not discover the impact it had for 50 years, but you've been carrying it through all kinds of relationships, not just a marital one per se. Yeah. And so being able to reconcile with some of those stories, let some of those stories go, gain new perspective on those stories, I mean, those are really, really powerful, but it's all a part of the healing process. I love what you said about coming from a place with love. I mean, I think anything we say or any hard conversation or any conflict issue that we're dealing with, we could could all be so well served to take a pause and kind of come back to ourselves and ask 
how can I say this, present this, you know, whatever with a loving heart? Mm-hmm. And is it for the greatest good of everybody involved? You know, and when you do that, you really kind of can't go wrong, even if it's a tough conversation. Absolutely. If you are saying it with true love from your heart. Like you said, if someone receives it in a tough way, you know, that's kind of not on you because you're coming from a loving place, even if it's a hard conversation. Yeah. And I think if you cannot do that and you're really honest with yourself, that's just an opportunity to go, okay, there's still some healing that needs to happen here. Yeah. You know, and if you get triggered, I mean, listen, none of us are like these perfect beings and we we all have triggers. We all have things. We are like, hell no, I'm not apologizing to him for that. Nope. Not going to do it. Okay. You know, fine. Then you're being at least honest and truthful about that, you know, but if you have a desire to heal it, that is also possible. And some people don't want to, so that's okay too. But I think self-awareness is like 50% of it. Just knowing that you do something like knowing that something makes you angry or something or whatever, you know, having that awareness is so big. Well, it starts with that awareness. That's the starting point. So you first have to be aware. And once that's come into your being, you can't be unaware. You can try to deny it, but you can't, you know, disregard it. So what if someone wants to heal something, but doesn't know how, what is your suggestion for that? Hire a coach (laughs) like I did, you know, hire somebody who does, who is skilled at that and has the experience and the expertise and somebody that you feel safe with somebody that maybe you can identify with, you know, and, and be in, cause it's all about relationship and, you know, I love podcasts and I love books there's something missing though with the books can tell us a lot, but then it's like, how do we implement it? How do we really put it into practice or, you know, how do we stay in the game of that commitment to ourselves? And so I think that's where having a real person can be very valuable. Well, and books and podcasts don't take into consideration the personal situation, you know, to be able to help you navigate your specific situation. Yeah. Which everybody's, you know, got different things going on and everybody has different things, different places they're trying to go for themselves and different things they want to heal and questions and all of that. So I think that's very, very true. Well, and I think, you know, the podcasts and the books are reinforcements to help you develop the skill and to get more practice, you know, or even invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Invitations to kind of see, oh, wow, that's something I never really thought about. Maybe that's something I should explore in myself. And then you go out and get the more personalized resources to do that. I love that. Well, and, you know, it's like kids come home with this great idea and you're like, I've been saying this all along. Haven't you been listening to me? Right. <laughs> we need it to come from a bunch of different angles before yes. it might resonate with us. So <laughs> true. All right. Anything else we want to hit on in regards to our stories and reframing our stories? We talked about almost everything we wanted to, I think, but I might've missed some things. No, I think that it's a, I love having the conversation around it. And, you know, our yeah. stories can be the things that help define us. And so it's not about, you know, trying to negate them or change them. It's about acknowledging them. I think that's one thing that I would love people to embrace 
is gaining a new perspective is not about changing the story. I think that's what a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you want me to be fake now? You want me to deny that? It's like, no, the truth of your story could be that you're, you know, someone in your life told you you were stupid over and over and over again. You may have believed that. And now you're ready to let go of that story and say, that's not true for me. I am not stupid. I am capable. I am strong. You're not changing the fact that it was done or the the fact that the story existed. You're changing the way you choose to view it. You're changing to change it so that you can move forward in a new way. And that's what I think is important for people to understand that it's not about denying your story, you know, making your story, you know, something that it isn't. It's about continuing to evolve the story and gain new knowledge and understanding and perspective about it so that you can move forward and have a beautiful life that you were designed for and that you want to go for. And some stories like propel you. And that's great. If it's like, oh, no, no, this story is launching me into the next direction. Great. That's great. But a lot of our stories, you know, prevent us from having relationships, prevent us from going for our dreams, prevent us from moving forward, taking risks and things like that. And then that's an opportunity to go, okay, I need a new story here. Yeah. Well, and I think it's uh, our stories are who we are. You know, we We don't ever want to deny who we are, even if there are parts that were hard to go through and experience and we wouldn't have chosen. There's always something powerful and good that comes from those difficult experiences that gives us compassion, understanding for other people, relatability for people who have gone through the same thing, drive to Mm -hmm. heal that part of us that got us there in the first place or whatever it is. There's a Japanese art form that's called Kintsugi, I think it's called. And it's where you take these ceramic bowls and you break them and then you take gold paint to put them back together again. And it creates something that's kind of more beautiful than the plate was just plain to begin with. And I love thinking of our lives and our obstacles and our hard stories in that way that yes, they feel broken in that moment when you're putting the pieces back together, but then you use that beautiful gold paint, which is our healing, our compassion, our love for ourselves, our love for other people. And you create this complex dynamic person that is 10 times more beautiful than this plain plate that it began with. So I like to view it that way. I love to view it that way too. And, you know, to imply that, you know, we're not broken. We're just, we have repairs. Yes. You know, we have those cracks and we have the gold and silver lining that is part of our, who we are. I always like to think of it as like a tapestry because it's like, It's all this Mm. mix of colors and textures. And, you know, we're all writing these big, beautiful books and our chapters serve a purpose. And I'm, I would be so curious. I don't know how you feel, but inside of my story, there are certain actions and things I did that I would like to change, but overall, I wouldn't change the story because I wouldn't be where I am today 
but I didn't have that story. And so even through the hard times and the painful times, I feel like a lot of people are like, I wouldn't change my story, even if you could wave a magic wand, because when they really get into the nitty gritty of it, it's like, no, my story's made me who I am today. And, or my yeah. story's given me these opportunities or my story's given me this gift. And so, you know, that's what I think is super cool. I agree a hundred percent. I would not change a thing. And I love what you said that we're not broken. You know, we might feel broken at yeah. certain points in our lives, but we're not, we're just a little, you know, we might just have an injury that needs to be healed. And I think it's important not to feel like you need to be fixed because it's not fixing. It's not going back to something that you were, there's nothing fundamentally wrong. It's just there, there's always healing. There's always something that needs, you know, that can be changed and, and healed. Well, it's about forward motion. You know, we're, we're going to continue to evolve, hopefully, and grow. And every day is a new day to be alive. And how do we want to spend it? And instead of looking back, you know, how can we be looking forward? Yeah, I'm being happy with here, where we are on the journey in the middle of the healing and repairing, you know, that's a beautiful place to be too. We, Mm -hmm. I, for a long time, I was projecting forward to when I get to this stage, when I have this, when I'm like this, and really the beauty is right here where we are in this imperfect moment. And there's huge beauty in realizing, wow, this is something I need to heal. Like sit in that beautiful moment and love that and allow people in to experience you that way in that beautiful in between, you know, growth moment. It's, it's amazing by itself before you've even healed. Well, and I know, and I know that, you know, we've been talking a lot about divorce and I want to just honor the fact that like, it's also okay to be in that space of anger, right? It's a part of the grief process. So honor that as well. And then also acknowledge it's never too late to heal. You know, I've had people come to me who have been divorced for a long time. They're like, I'm realizing now I have not healed this and I want to heal it. So it's like, it doesn't matter if it's four years, 10 years, 12 years. Sometimes you need that space. Sometimes you need that time to get to that point where it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to get help. I'm ready to do the work now. But sometimes when we're in the midst of it, we're not ready. And that's okay too. Yeah. And I think we do get there when we're ready. Like it reveals itself. You will know, you will feel like (laughs) this is something I need to do, or I'm ready to let go. And I love those moments. Oh my gosh. When, you know, for a long time, I could not forgive, you know, there was a lot of, it it just took a while, but then Mm -hmm. it happened. It does happen. And that's a huge part of it too, is having faith that what you want and what you're trying to achieve and the life you want and everything will come in the right time, but it's okay to seek it and look out for it and put yourself in positions to make it happen. Yeah. Just, it's about, you know, we call it, I call it truth, faith, and love, just honoring the truth of your story and where you are having Mm. faith 
not necessarily from a religious perspective, but faith in something bigger than yourself and and loving yourself enough or loving those around you or loving the relationships you want to create to like to go for it. Yeah, love that. So a couple uh, wrap up questions here. What books yeah. are you reading these days? Got any new ones on your nightstand that you're loving? So I'm like knee deep in peak performance right now. So the books that I'm reading are The Art of Impossible, which you talked about impossible from the beginning. So I love that. Um, the Art of Impossible, which is by Stephen Kotler. There's a lot of science base. Um, I'm super, I'm like really into neuroscience and I'm reading a book called Breath, which again, from a healing perspective, as well as yoga. I mean, I just, you know, me from yoga, I'm always talking about the breath and I am in the process of reading effortless, which is, you know, how, how can we do more with less effort? And it's kind of so about that. Yes. About allowing and not like striving all the time. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just like in this really high performance stage right now. And I'm, I'm having a ball in that it's kicking my butt a little bit, but I'm, I'm having a ball and going for some new things and really trying to train myself for higher performance. So those are the books that I'm reading right now. Oh, I love it. Those are good suggestions. I haven't read any of those. So I'll have to look out for those. There's so many awesome books out there. I'm like, my, one of my biggest challenges is I, I have lots of books that I'm reading at one time. Yeah, I'm the same Part way. Of my commitment is to like finish one book at a time. Well, for personal growth books, though, like some of them are so heavy, you could only take in like tiny little doses. So yeah. yeah. Well, and my books are tabbed, earmarked notes, mm. you know, connecting to my tools. Where does this fit in energy management? Where does this fit in emotional management? So my books are, um, you know, constantly being opened and revisited and, and, and looked at. So, so what about music that's on your playlist? I know I have one that I love when you play in Shavasana at yoga. See if you can guess what it it is. Okay. I'm going to say, um, ashes by Celine Dion. That's one, but that's not the one I had in mind. Oh, really? I've requested it from you. I think too. Uh, you, you did. Did I play it when you requested it of me? I better the have. sound of silence. Yeah. I oh. disturbed, you know, so it's so funny because that is what most people request. But the reason I wasn't thinking that I like that was on my tip of my tongue, but it's such a rock based song. It is so amazing. And I love it too. I mean, I get more requests for that song, but there, for some reason I was thinking like you would love, I don't know, more of the, I more of the messaging or something. And that's like super rock based, which I'm a total rocker also. So I like totally dig it, but I don't know. I was the, the one that I'm loving right now is let it go by fearless soul. And I've been playing that at the beginning. I don't know if you, I've played it a couple of times. I change my playlist all the time. I'm yeah. always worried that you guys get sick of the songs before I do. So I try to change it up, but you probably don't. I love it when you me. mix it up, but I think, you know, you guys mix it up enough that if you did the same playlist, like every other week, I wouldn't really notice, but yeah. I do appreciate a mixed up playlist and Penny's well, very love- good at that too. Oh yeah. Penny's the master around that. 
you know, we, we do, all of us teachers do invest a lot of time in, in playing the music. And so a lot of times it'll speak to me about something I want to share with you guys yeah. from a music perspective, or it'll speak to me for someplace I'm in my life that I'm like, oh, this song just really feels, you know, it just really resonates with me. I love the yeah. ashes one because it's about a rebirth. Yeah. And so I just, I, and I love the power of Celine Dion's voice. And of course it comes from, what's the, what's, oh, sorry. What's the movie? Oh, that Ryan? movie. Yeah. It's one with of Ryan the superhero Reynolds. movies. Yeah. Hello, yeah. Deadpool. I Deadpool. It yeah, that's right. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm going to add these. We have a playlist of all the guests' favorite music, and it's super eclectic. So these will be great additions. I'll add Sound of Silence, Ashes, and Let It Go. Let it go. I'm excited for that. Yeah. And I'll probably be seeing you Sunday at 10. I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me on here and for us having this conversation. I hope your audience enjoys it. Oh, it was such a great conversation. So important. And I think something all of us, you know, deal with at some point in our lives. And it's, it's good to have some perspective and to open up the conversation and just get some fresh and new ideas on how to handle it. So I love it. Well, you know, we're all on this journey together. And so whatever we can do to support and love on one another, I just think makes the world a much better place. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Jane. You're so welcome, Nina. Thank you. Thanks for joining today's episode of See the Upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at seetheupside.com. You can find us on Instagram at see.theupside and Facebook at seetheupside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.